Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does its better. And welcome to part two of this week's Clash. So on Monday, we went back to 1995 to find out why you shouldn't try and adapt a graphically violent comic book into a family-friendly summer blockbuster with Tank Girl. And well, what do you know? Seems like we're learning the same lesson again. As also from 1995... Sly and Co. learn the hard way not to mess with Judge Dredd. As a city, we continue to grow. 73 citizen riots. Come and get us! Throw out your weapons and prepare to be judged! Judge this! We'll have a winner at the end of the show, but which film will it be? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. The Kraken. Hello, Clash Butters. Law. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. Law. Uh, right then, so it is Judge Dredd versus Tank Girl this week. My choices. Uh, very quickly, though, before we get into this week's uh, second episode, uh, a quick reminder if you haven't subscribed to us, please do subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and do leave us a rating and indeed a review. And if you leave a review, it might be read out on the show by Chris Tilly, aka Chris Thrilly, which sounds a bit like this From Bowman3010. He says, I have one huge complaint about this show. It's mm-hmm. costing me a fortune renting and buying awful films. Yeah, I've seen too, enough <laughs> times to know how bad they are. Every week I tell myself in advance, do not rent these films. They are bad. Then as I listen to the fantastic commentary and opinions of these fabulous hosts, I inevitably end up buying or renting god-awful films. <laughs> as I write this review, I'm currently watching Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes and I 100% blame Alex, Vicky and Chris. So I'm sorry about that, Bowman. Um, anyway, on to Sylvester Stallone's Judge Dredd. <laughs> uh, great stuff. Yeah. So these were, um, <laughs> hey, Bowman, my choices this week uh, because I wanted to go back. A bit of nostalgia, that heady summer of 1995, you know, music was great. Judge Dredd and Tango were in the cinema. <laughs> and I wanted to reappraise these films because I think it's important sometimes. They've got these reputations and 
You know, is it, is it right? Is Judge Dredd really that bad? We're going to find out. Come with us on this journey. So on Monday, Vicky was our guide through the colourful chaos of Tank Girl, which means that today I'm Rico to Chris's Dread, which means... Take us on journey. Through a secret genetic experiment, DNA is used to create the perfect human. But that embryo splits and twins are born. Unfortunately, one child got all the good DNA and the other got all the bad. That's the plot of 1988 comedy Twins. And it's also the plot of the 1995 Judge Dredd. Sylvester Stallone plays good twin Joe Dredd, a super cop who is judge, jury and executioner in a futuristic fascist state. And Armando Sante is bad brother Rico, who sets Dredd up for a crime he didn't commit, then spends the rest of the film elongating words so much that he practically doubles the runtime. Judge Dredd looks great, and fans might have forgiven the movie had the title character followed the golden rule and kept his helmet on. But it's off within 15 minutes, resulting in a film that failed as comedy, action movie, thriller and satire, but succeeded in killing a potential franchise stone dead. Twins is quite funny, mind. So when did you first see this film, Vicky? I don't, I honestly don't know. I've seen it, it was on, I wasn't watching it in any considered way. So I would cons- I would say this, this is my first, <laughs> this is the first time I've watched it where I've had to be paying attention. Uh, maybe it suffers for that. Alex? Watched it as a kid, 1996, probably on video, and I remember loving it. I, I do remember really enjoying this movie. This was everything I loved like about movies as a teenager. It was big guns. It was dystopian wastelands. It was a cyberpunk city. So I thought this was great. And then I do remember not being, because I read 2000 AD uh, as a kid. I, they were my brothers. And actually, my mum still thinks she shouldn't have let him read them. Because if you read 2000 AD, it's fucking dark. And he was like 11 reading 2000 AD. And then I borrowed them. But I remember knowing that Judge Dredd kept his helmet on and I never really had a problem with him taking his helmet off in this. And so I wanted to I wanted to watch it. And, you know, because I remember in 2008, there was like the editor, like the editor of 2008 kept updates because this was pre-internet of this movie being made and sliced alone being in it. And it was it really generated a lot of interest you know, from 2000 AD readers, because they were really pro it. They were like, this is going to be good. The original artists or creators are involved, uh, which we'll talk about because they weren't really. But um, but yeah, I wanted to see it again. I'm the same as you. I watched it and the same as Tank Girl for me. I watched it in 1996 on video and did no like it. Oh. Same story. You didn't like it? No. Okay. So let's talk about the background to this film. Judge Dredd was the brainchild of writer John Wagner and artist Carlos Esquiera. Uh, it was designed to be Dirty Harry in the future. And interestingly, Wagner gave um, Asquiera uh, the poster for the movie Death Race 2000, oh, wow. starring Sylvester Stallone uh, as a guide uh, to how uh, the, the, the strip should look. Uh, the character debuted in the pages of 2000 AD in 1977, and the combination of hardcore violence with cutting satire made the strip an instant hit, um, and not for children like little Alex. No, no. Very adult. Slain um, was the one, the last comic strip in 2008. Did you read 2008? A little bit. Not Slain was the barbarian, the like Conan kind of character, and that was really dark. It was exciting to read 2008 mm. when you were a kid, though. You felt like you were reading something you shouldn't be yeah. in, in a way that it didn't feel safe like Marvel and DC. No, 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 no. Uh, the rights were optioned in 1983, and a film might have happened sooner had Robocop not stolen Dread's Thunder in 1987 with its dystopian future, fascist subtext, and central character who who is basically a cyborg dread. Uh, Paul Verhoeven allegedly gave the Robocop writers copies of Judge Dredd to study, uh, while in his review of the movie, science fiction writer Harlan Ellison wrote, 
It's so clearly and shockingly a rip-off of the Judge Dredd comic strip. Um, Alex, I know you're a Robocop guy. Mm. Um, do you agree with that sentiment then? Um, sort of. A little bit, actually, yeah. Apart from the fact that, obviously, Robocop goes through that big arc of, you know, he gets his memory back and it's, uh, you know, Judge Dredd is chosen to be this way, whereas Robocop is a man reprogrammed to be a robot. So there's a, there is a kind of fundamental difference um, between mm. them. So, no, I don't fully mm. I guess that the, the violence and the humour, I think, is something that, you know, that Paul Verhoeven use of sort of that, the, the, the satire that's in the comic Drudge Dread is in the movie Robocop and does not make it into this film. I mean, I, I certainly think the Detroit of Robocop is, and the universe mm. and the extreme violence of the gangs and the poverty versus the wealth in that Detroit is very much a mega city. So I think it's the environment. I don't think the character's the same, but I certainly think the world that he's built is very, very Judge Dredd. Uh, a movie was eventually developed through Andy Vanya's production company, Synergy. Uh, Rennie Harlan and Richard Donner were apparently in talks to direct, but 26-year-old Brit Danny Cannon, uh, who just had a minor hit with the Young Americans, ultimately landed the gig. Uh, we've done a Danny Cannon film on here before. He, w- he went on to make Goal. Oh, the yeah. football movie. I wasn't here that week. Yeah. Uh, and he also did I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. Um, but as I've said before, I believe he's our most successful director. Yeah. Even more so than Christopher Nolan. Uh, because he helped create the CSI franchise, which is up to 797 episodes. It screens in 200 territories to an audience of 2 billion people. Hmm? Um, he makes a lot of money off the back of yeah. CSI. And didn't his, wasn't he involved with, was it Gotham or Pennyworth? Both. Yeah, he right. does Gotham and Pennyworth, yeah. but they're not on the same level as, as, as the CSI franchise. No, he's a big TV guy. Yeah, big TV guy. And if I ever tell you the story, old listener who's asked about this, about uh, when I got embarrassed myself in front of Danny Boyle, it involves Danny Cannon. <laughs> <laughs> You've done that story on air before, haven't you? No, I've been asked to have. do it. Oh my! I said God. I wouldn't. I've done it in the pub with you guys. I'll do it in the pub with everyone after the live show. All right, good. Come to the live, but get a ticket for the live show, even if the show is bollocks. <laughs> the pub will be brilliant afterwards. If we can get into a pub, we're working on that. Yeah. Uh, the film had a bunch of screenwriters until Terminator 2's William Wisher and Die Hard's Stephen D'Souza ended up with the final credit. Uh, Arnie was thought to be playing the title role until Stallone ultimately donned the mask for a bit. Uh, I wonder if that's true because you know Arnie basically used to do that thing where he expressed interest in roles because they were very competitive he expressed interest in roles that he was never going to do and put it out there and then Sly thought he was doing he was getting in and and usurping Arnie but he never really Arnie never really wanted them Stop on my mum will shoot is a a movie that Arnie (laughs) said he was going to do and really wanted to do and then Sly thought he'd nabbed it only to find out it was a crock of shit (laughs) do you think though Vicky that Arnie would have made a good Judge Dredd I mean, yeah. I mean, they, I mean, I know, I know <laughs> I'm not supposed to say stuff like this. Doesn't care. I don't. Has never considered this before in her life. They are fairly interchangeable at certain points to me in their careers. No? The Arnie movie, supposedly, was going to... I remember reading that Tony Scott might have directed right. it. And it was going to be Judge Death as the villain, the interdimensional judge who believes that life itself is a crime. Okay. I feel Big like... Big learning curve for you, isn't it, today? <laughs> 
That sounds awesome. I, feel, <laughs> I genuinely feel like if Arnie had done it, we wouldn't have had the wisecracking Judge Dread that we've ended up with. I think we would have, have got... We got that? <laughs> Sorry. He, he does, but as soon as he gets the Rob Schneider, he starts trying to do the Rob Schneider thing of doing wisecrack. You shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, no, he shouldn't. Don't he shouldn't. Down. I think we would have got... I mean, it would have basically been the Terminator, but I think we would have got a more serious Dread if Arnie had done it because Arnie definitely isn't. wouldn't have teamed up with Schneider in that way. Do you, I know, but Arnie was making... It was all about the one-liners with Arnie, so yeah. there would have been one-liners. I mean, it wouldn't have been the buddy relationship, the bickering that happens, but Sly doesn't... I mean, he sort of half arsely engages in that, but it's all Rob Schneider improvising. Mm. And, like, I mean, we'll get onto it, but it sounds like a lot of stuff Rob Schneider says in this movie was made up on the spot by him. Got a massive laugh from the crew. And Danny Cannon's gone, well, that must be funny. I'm going to put it in without thinking about the fact that it totally fucks the tone of the movie and doesn't really fit with the scene. But because the crew were laughing, it's like totally funny. Yeah, people who are paid to be there are laughing. It's like the bit where he does a Sly Stallone impression when he goes, I am the law. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, that takes you out of everything. Because it's not a Judge Dredd impression. It's for Saturday Night Live. Mm. Go back there. Um, It's interesting watching and reading interviews about this film at the time compared to interviews with people now. <laughs> I bet. So I've got some contrasting quotes. So uh, Vanya at the time said production was going as smoothly as anyone could hope. Regarding Sylvester Stallone's rapport with director Danny Cannon, he said, I've never seen Sly as close to his director before. <laughs> um, Stallone at the time called it an extremely serious drama that has a lot of poignancy. Um, he said he wanted to make a picture like this since what, since seeing Blade Runner and spoke of his plans to make more Judge Dredd movies, uh, stating that he couldn't wait to get stuck into the 25 years of comic stories. Cut to 20 years later and Stallone's tone has changed somewhat regarding uh, the movie. Uh, the famous quote I, he, he, he gave was that he said, I knew we were in for a long shoot when, for no explainable reason, Danny Cannon, who's rather diminutive, jumped down from his director's chair and yelled to everyone with an earshot, fear me, everyone should fear me. Then jumped back up to his chair as if nothing had happened. <laughs> Which is how Chris starts every show. <laughs> I did that halfway through our first record, but it didn't seem to have any effect on you. Uh, I, just, uh, I mean, you got to believe that's true. I believe that's true because it's just such a so weird thing odd, to make yeah. up. And it's like, but at what point? It's the fact that where the, the fact that he gets back into his chair as if nothing has happened makes you think, that people just sort of shrugged and he'd expected something to happen, which is worse. They go, fear me! Everyone should fear me! Nothing? <laughs> no one? Nothing? All right, I'll be over here. Uh, and, and another digger at Canon, Stallone said, I believe objects rot from the head down. Draw your own conclusions. He then starts to mix his metaphors when talking about the film. Uh, he said, it probably should have been much more comic, really humorous and fun. What I learned out of the experience was that we shouldn't have tried to make it Hamlet. It's more Hamlet and eggs. Whoa. That's your kind of humour. I don't get it. <laughs> it's a pun. Yeah, is it? It's but weird. What's, what, what's Hamlet and eggs? What's Hamlet and eggs? <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. I actually don't know. It doesn't mean anything. He also, as, as I said, I was going to say, he also compared it to a feathered fish, mm. although I can't figure out why. It's weird, isn't it? There are two things going on here. Like Stallone is basically going, a lot of this is Danny Cannon's fault. Um, But by all accounts, like Danny Cannon wanted to make, as we'll get into, because I've got some quotes from uh, D'Souza about this. Danny Cannon wanted to make an R-rated movie. Mm. And it was Stallone who, in his head, was like, no, it needs to be funny. It needs to be a comic book movie. And so it was this sort of mishmash of ideas that totally screwed the film because tonally it's completely off. But Stallone never really acknowledges that. He doesn't no. sort of, He doesn't accept that 
he sort of screwed it by mm. trying to make it funny. He didn't know Judge Dredd when he got involved. He obviously wanted to make a comedy action movie. He should have done it with a new character or a different character, not with this character. As, as, as John Wagner said, uh, the story had nothing to do with Judge Dredd and Judge Dredd really wasn't Judge Dredd, which isn't ideal on a Judge Dredd movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he said, have you got the bit where he talks about the fact that they weren't involved uh, at all? Because it was all about how 2008 was like the creators are totally involved. And then the creators sort of went, it seems that they wanted us to be involved with no remuneration. So yeah. uh, weird how we didn't mm. have any input after they offered us no money. <laughs> Yeah, I think they offered them some money, but it was such a small amount and they got some amazing agent involved and he couldn't seem to up the number. And so they just uh, at some point, it, it, was, it was a super agent and, and, and the studio just was not interested because I guess they didn't want them hanging around. They wanted to do whatever the hell they wanted to do and use their name on it. It's weird. So you say D'Souza got involved. I've got my first little D'Souza clip. It's uh, Do it. It's about 45 seconds long. It relates to a scene later on, but this seems like the best place to play because it's about Danny Cannon because D'Souza was a big 2000 AD fan. And apparently Danny Cannon like was claiming to be this huge 2000 AD fan and that everything in the movie, no pun intended, was canon. And like, so any decision he made, he was like, that is in the comics. And D'Souza keeps calling him out on it. This is the, this is the clip of D'Souza talking about that. And then... Speaking of Cannon, Danny Cannon. So uh, he wanted he wanted a very dark, 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 pretty vision. Um, he was ex- he would be increasingly annoyed whenever I would totally innocently say that's not in the comic. <laughs> now, I'm I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just going less. And so he and they, and they and they and the people in the room would realize he'd been telling them for months like something was in the comic when it wasn't. So. <laughs> His frustration with me couldn't be made more clearly by the fact that in the scene where Sly stops a drunk driver in a flying car. Yeah. Which I wrote. But now he says, well, Mr. D'Souza, this is your third violation. So that was like, his, that, was, that was his payback to me by making the asshole in the movie uh, me. Making uh, the asshole in the movie me. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, that's uh, that's me chuckling along in the background. That's an interview I did for uh, my other podcast, Just the Facts with Alex Zane, if you'd like to listen to that as well. Thank you for that, Alex. Uh, should we talk about the movie then? Yeah. Let's kick off with uh, Act One of Judge Dredd. Uh, we get some comic panels over the um, opening titles, and then it kicks off with James Earl Jones. How weird is this? Yeah. <laughs> it, what have they done? Have they? Have they it's his voice, I should say, doing voiceover. Like, if they they looked at the Star Wars crawl and thought, how can we make it like Star Wars but different? We'll have the crawl, but we'll get a Star Wars actor to yeah. do the voice. You think, well, I can't wait to see him again later. It's just unbelievable. Like, you've got like Max von Sydow there, yes. who should do this voiceover. Great voice, great presence, could deliver this. It's like, nah, James Earl Jones. We just saw him walking down the corridor at the studio. <laughs> We're like, James, do you want a quick paycheck? Read this. <laughs> so he explains that it's the third millennium. Uh, climates and nations are in <laughs> upheaval. The earth has transformed into a, a poisonous, scored desert known as the Cursed Earth. Uh, millions of people have crowded into a few mega cities where roving bands of street savages created violence the justice system could not control. Law as we know it collapsed from the decay rose a new order. Society ruled by a new elite force, a force with the power to dispense both justice and punishment. They were the police, jury and executioner all in one. They were the judges. A sentence no one has ever said. Rewrite it. Just because you think you've nailed something here, it's like, oh, because they, they do execute people. Judge, jury, can't have judge, because they were using that at the end there. They are the judges. Police, jury and execution. It doesn't work. No, no, I can make it work. Can you? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Police, jury and execution. 
they're the judge. No, it still doesn't work. I'll put it in. Yeah, you're J- right. James will sell it. It's Judge Jurinix, and it just always will be. They build them up, though, and then rather than introduce us to the judges at this point, we meet Rob Schneider <laughs> as wisecracking small-time criminal Fergie, uh, who is the audience's way into the story. Right, um, depending on who you are. Al- Alex, as someone who has previously collaborated with Rob, mm. how did you feel about his presence in this movie? Uh, well, as a, as my co-star in uh, <laughs> Juice Bigelow. <Okay>. Sorry. <laughs> Rob's my co-star. Golden Raspberry winning uh, Juice Bigler, as we established I'm, I'm sorry, last An award's an award. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, the award-winning Rob Schneider uh, mm-hmm. is my co-star in Juice Bigelow, European Gigolo. And so you'll, you'll be hard-pressed for me to find a bad word to say against him. Mm-hmm. And actually, I quite like, he's, he's our everyman character into this world. He's the eyes and ears. No, seriously, I don't mind him in this bit. I'm I'm absolutely fine with him in this bit because, you know, this isn't about him. He's not cracking wise that much. He is getting to be like, oh, look at Mega City 1, which is what we're doing because it looks yeah. incredible. But to be nitpicky, we've just, even if you can forgive police, jury and executioner, which you can't, it's hard. It's like, they're the judges. Cut to Rob Schneider. And it's like, no, why don't we have a montage of the Academy or there's something that's still like grounders in this world? I agree that I did write down the period of time between the judges and us seeing a judge is a little bit long. Yeah. And it's weird having Schneider teaming up with Stallone on screen just after Demolition Man, which has so many similarities with this film. Yeah, I got really Mm. confused at Mm. points about... When the the sex was going to happen, <laughs> which it doesn't, thank God. <laughs> yeah, the, what with the shells? Yeah, okay. And the fact that they don't make Hershey and Judge like thank for the one that they're sat on a bed, and I was like, please don't fall backwards because I can't bear to watch it. But it doesn't happen. No, they wait to the unearned kiss at the end. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we see Mega City. It looks pretty cool. And it the, looks all right, doesn't it? The skyscrapers are taller than the Statue of Liberty, which mm. gets you a sense of, of yeah, the size like and scale that. of the thing. Which has been moved, hasn't it? They say that it's mm. been moved, yeah. yeah. Uh, so they fly into the middle of a riot and then Dredd uh, rides through fire in his Versace-designed uniform. <laughs> There's lots of tight spandex and cod pieces in this film, none of which feels particularly like... Judge Dredd, did you like the costume? I did, I okay. have to be honest. The minute I saw this, I was like, oh, get you, you fancy pants. But I mean, literally, what? yeah, you've got pants. fancy pants, fancy breastplate. Yeah, I like it. I like the allusion to, um, well, I like a more sort of a gaudy uniform rather mm. than something grimy. Um, I, I think it looks camp and fun, and that's good. Mm. That My issue with the film is when it undercuts all that with this sort of cod seriousness. But when it's really sort of kitsch... And- you want cod piece, not cod serious. <laughs> I do, yeah. It's, it is. I mean, I actually really like the way the costumes look as well. Yeah. But then it is exactly like you say. It's, a, it, it's this heightened kinch mm. camp reality whereas you look at Dread, which we're obviously going to compare this to at some point and that works because that's body armour and it's grimy and it's dirty yeah. like it would be in Mega City 1 yeah. and it protects them as well this is like spandex what, isn't know, going to do anything is unless it? you shoot me in the shoulder I'm fucked <laughs> uh, he rides in on his big bike and states I am the law now, uh, does he put a little stabiliser out because I thought that ruined it a bit like kick <laughs> But that's a cool line. Uh, he also starts saying his new catchphrase, I knew you'd say uh, that, yeah, what's which that? Is, is not cool. 
No. Stop trying to make I knew you'd say that happen. But this this whole thing, <laughs> this this whole sequence, this block war that we're walking into, this feels good. This is like, you know, people out of work, you know, boredom, like so many mm. people in Mega City are unemployed that great, block wars are great taking actor place. leading it, James Ramar. I know. Big fan to him. Weird <laughs> to mm. see him there. But yeah. yeah. I forgot he was in it. I think he was even uncredited. He or is something. uncredited, he is but he's yeah. in it for ages. Yeah, and he's really good. Mm. He is. Is I found some stills I'd never seen before when I was looking him up of Hibbers Hicks um, from Aliens you know, mm. before he. We, was yeah, we went, we got into that quite. Yeah, deeply. I, know. I just had never seen the photos. I don't think I looked them up. Uh so yeah, Dread gets his gun out and uses rapid fire, then uses armor piercing, then his double whammy, and he sentences Warlord to death. Uh, shoots him in the face and then says, "Courts adjourned." <laughs> <laughs> I just think, in terms of I'm. Hey, I'm no lawyer or barrister. Come to that, but courts adjourned is like when they're having a break, isn't it? It's not like the end of court. Like there, there must be another cool thing, like when the gavel's fallen or whatever that you could have ripped off or lifted from the court system that's cooler than courts adjourned. Because courts adjourned to me makes me think, oh, it's a toilet break. <laughs> no, <laughs> didn't, it didn't occur to me. But <laughs> is that right? Do they not when after they pass sentence? Unbelievably, do they not I haven't court? been through the um, British judicial system. <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> yeah, I've been to court, but um, magistrates is really different. Well, it was common law, wasn't it? <laughs> All right, then we get a bit of plot. I honestly didn't realise it was weed. I just... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we have a bit of plot. So the judges are discussing uh, the block wars being uh, happening because there's 65 million people living in a city for 20 million. And there's been riots. There's been violent crime. Their resources are running out. Judge Griffin, played by Jürgen uh, Prochnow, uh, wants a tougher criminal code that allows execution to include lesser crimes. I love Jürgen Prochnow. He mm. has one note in this, which mm. is, I'm angry really? all the time. I'm your villain as well. I'm your villain from scene one. So I, I don't think they should signpost it that much. And then Judge Fargo, played by Max von Sydow, he wants freedom rather than repression. So he's our seeming hero. And there's also a reporter who believes the block wars are part of some larger conspiracy. Do you recognise him? No. no. It was, uh, it's the actor who plays General McAllister, the big bad in Lethal Weapon. Mitchell Ryan. Is it? Because yeah. I thought he looked, he's really good. He looks like a reporter. I thought they'd actually brought a reporter in for that role. Yeah. Uh, then uh, Judge Dredd removes his helmet 15 <laughs> minutes in. So you've said, Alex, you're not really bothered. I wasn't when I first saw it. Mm. Having watched Dread, mm. it works a lot better that he doesn't for the character. Mm. I think it's a very strange decision knowing that Judge Dredd never takes his helmet off in this movie to go, right, we are taking the helmet off and then to make it such a sequence, like yeah. slow motion helmet yeah. coming off and like, it's a big moment and it's like, just, it's a sticky plaster thing. Bang, he's taken it off. Move on. Or don't don't linger a, on it. It has a plot device. You know, He takes it because he has to yeah. for some reason or whatever. I mean, he literally yeah. takes it off like, because it's inconvenient. Wait for it, wait for it. Says, ah, look at my eyes. There I am. I mean, you've really got to give him a reason to take it off. And then you could almost forgive it. It's it's mad that it's just. But imagine if you were a cinema goer and you didn't know Dread and you love Sylvester Stallone. So you're going to see it for that. So that's why oh, no, he's a big star. You know, you've got to see his face. But even if you were a Sylvester Stallone fan and you didn't know anything about Dread and you didn't know about the helmet, what you're watching is your star's face, but for a really, really long time. So it looks like a massive ego trip, which is not helpful either. So, it, yeah, it, it doesn't work for anybody. No. It does not. Um, when asked about this uh, 20 years later, um, Stallone said, I never wanted to take my helmet off um, because that way I wouldn't have to deal with the pussification of applying makeup every day. The what, sorry? 
What's that now? <laughs> the pussification of applying makeup every day. Oh, right. That's a word I've never said before and now I've said it no, twice. Said it twice. Okay. You made me say it the second time. Um, is big it, man. <laughs> is, it's, not, it, 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 it's just a bad word, right? <laughs> I've, I, 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 because there are words that I don't know. It might mean something in the makeup application process. No, because he has to wear blue contact lenses for this film, so he's talking about looking like a cat. That's what it is. Yeah. Great, 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 great. Thanks for the yeah. learning curve, guys. Good stuff. Uh, we meet Rico, played by Armand Asante. Oh, my God. I can't tell you how much I love this man. And this is the actor that Alex has been uh, channeling. Yeah. <laughs> he's doing this. his best Hannibal Lecter, and it's fucking amazing. It's amazing. He's not. He's in it, Lords. He's not in it enough. He's not. He's, he is fantastic in this. Yeah. I mean, I, I sort of went, I don't know Armand Desante for any of his other work. And I feel like I should because this is a big role. And I'm like, I guess he's just made the kind of movies I haven't seen. And I went through the list and I don't even know the names mm, yeah. of, he, of them. He's, he's good. He plays a really good gangster. Mm. John Gotti, right? He was in the... He's in Gotti, uh, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, it's funny. I So I said I watched this and didn't like it in, in 96. But I did watch it again five years ago after this sort of cult had, had risen up around Armand Desante and all those clips had been online. And I thought, oh, I'd quite like to revisit this. And yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more the second time. Uh knowing to sort of wait for him to come and to enjoy his performance rather than be annoyed by someone who is acting quite badly. He knows what kind of movie he's in. Yeah, he's back to fantastic. He's basically going, I'm a comic book character and I'm going to be a cartoon basically in this movie. He is fantastic. And his introduction with the guns and everything Mm. is brilliant up until someone actually wrote a scene where you've got guns that have to be vocally deactivated. He is clearly the most dangerous man on planet Earth. And the warden comes up and goes, you got a parcel. Um, <laughs> you've got a parcel. You, 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 you've, got, you've, you've got mail. Um, Something came for you. Uh, here, here it is. I haven't checked what it is. And I'm going to make it clear by handing it to you. And then being the warden of a penal colony, I'm going to ask you, my most dangerous prisoner, to whom I've just passed this mail, I'm going to go, what is it? <laughs> What is it? It's a gun. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. Should have seen that coming. Should have so seen that coming. Well, he says, also, I think I spotted a full range of cocktail shakers in his cell. So I was like, that's fantastic. Big tick for me. And when he's like, he says, guilt and innocence is a matter of timing. That's not even true. Like, that's not, it's not, is it? It's a, That's an element of it for sure. Because time passes between innocence and guilt. But that's not true. But just, I was like, wow, that's really deep. <laughs> I mean, the bit where he shoots the warden through the throat and he can't reactivate, he's like, and the gun's like, voice not recognised. And you're like, (laughs) I mean, it's brilliant. It's really dark. And you watch that and you go, at what point was this ever going to be PG-13? At what point? You can't shoot someone through the throat like that. I've got some quotes about that, but we'll get into them after the break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Uh, so Rico's escaped, and straight after that, Dredd tells Judge Hershey, uh, played by Diane Lane, that he has a friend. He had a friend once, mm. but judged him. So if we're paying attention, we really should be putting the pieces together here. Mm. Do you not feel like at this point, yes, Rico oh, I is? It, yeah, yeah. I think I probably had worked it out first time. I certainly remembered it this time. Yeah. Uh, Rico goes and meets Ian Jury from Ian Jury and the Blockheads, yeah. and then hits him right between the eyes with his rhythm stick. Um, and he also picks up an ABC warrior that he turns into his personal bodyguard. And that character looks amazing. Yes. So cool. The, oh, genuinely, the bit where he leans into that big robot's face. Mm. What, does it, what does he say to him? I can't even remember. Chilling. Weirdly chilling. Mm. And the eyes light up and he's got this manic grin. It's fantastic. I've told you before, my thing about robots around this period, like Ed 209 was the scariest thing I'd ever seen. And the ABC worry in this, maybe not up to Ed 209's level, but it's it's just so terrifying because it's real. Because it's this real puppet. They built it. Yeah. And this is what, 25 years ago? It hasn't dated no. at all. This would look... It wouldn't look out of place in a modern sci-fi film. It starts to look a bit silly when it's in that apartment later in a fancy apartment. It looks a bit like a big toy. Mm. But in the pawn shop thing, it's really good. It's weird, though, because Ian Jury, Geiger, runs a hardware shop, so he knows technology, and he goes, yeah, I've got an ABC warrior there, but you, you know, they don't work anymore. And Rika goes, if you plug this into yeah, this... If you hotwire it a tiny bit, it does work. Rico then pretends to be dread and kills the reporter because he's onto them. Um, <laughs> Again. And, and, and this is where there were some issues with the rating of this movie. Um, I got a clip. Do it. Yeah, you sure? Yeah, of course. All right, here we go. This is Stephen D'Souza talking about that exact scene where he guns down the people. And the drawer opens and it's Armand DeSanti in, in Judge Dredd's costume. And, he, and then he shoots. And I write, I type, cut to the window of the apartment and you see flashes of light and you hear machine gun fire that's what i typed so i get a phone call from andy vanya she says hey we've got uh, uh we've assembled some of the first dailies why don't you come over and see them uh so i go in and i'm watching the scene the camera does not cut to the window the camera stays in the room and this elderly couple are machine gunned like bonnie and clyde and bonnie and clyde <laughs> and their bodies are twitching and i go oh my god Oh my God, Andy! This is—we are so screwed. You just <laughs> lost your PG PG thirteen rating. And he says, "No, I didn't." I said, "What are you talking about?" He says, "There was no blood." 
<laughs> you just saw black bullet holes on the people. That's PG. And I said, who told you that? They said, Danny Cannon. <laughs> I go, uh-huh. Well, I, I, I got to tell you, I've been doing this for 30 years, and there ain't no such rule. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> <at> Danny Cannon. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting to like Danny Cannon. <laughs> I mean, he did. Like, there's this weird thing where he basically, I think he had it in his contract or something. Like, there had been a, a situation where he was told he was allowed to make an R-rated movie, and then the studio, basically sold it as a PG-13 to get all the toy tie-ins and the hamburger tie-ins, uh, which they ended up getting sued for mm. in the end because you they, they can't have toys and fast food tie-ins for an R-rated film. Also, have you ever... Like you, there's, always, there's always someone like this at work, not my current work, I should have, but someone who just lies. Just It's very unusual <laughs> for someone to lie completely coldly to your face and then when you do that thing like oh are you sure you've done that and they go yep you're looking at the thing they've not done and you're like you you just don't know how to manage something what do you actually do in the face of an actual lie and what i do is just back down immediately so. <laughs> well, but if you're if you're andy vanya and you this is your company the balls on danny cannon to look the person whose movie this is and know you are screwing them over and go yep. this is absolutely a rule as long as there's no blood, we're fine. All right, you sure? Uh-huh. Well, if, if Stephen D'Souza's telling the truth, right. then maybe Danny Cannon believed that. Maybe. Maybe. I'm it's just trying to cover our bases here, Lee. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, no, it's actually fine. You're, really, you're allowed to say what you like about Danny Cannon. So, <laughs> he's really rich. I keep saying that. Yeah. Uh, deep, deep pockets. <laughs> let, let, at least let's get our live show done. Let's <laughs> go out on that. Uh, so Dredd gets arrested for murder and then they find Dredd's DNA on the bullets in the bodies. Um Dread loses his shit at this point. He says, I never broke the law. I am the law. Mm. Sounds good coming out of Stallone's mouth in that funny drool that he has. Uh, and then we learn about the Janus Project, um, which, as I said before, is the plot of twins. But Rico was Dredd's best friend and uh, Dredd didn't realise they were brothers, I don't think. Um, and then he became homicidal. He arrested him and then he sentenced his friend to death. But he was secretly incarcerated in Aspen, uh, where Dredd himself is now sent. Great. That's right, yeah. It would be Bit of exposition. In the comics, it's Titan. They go to the moon of Titan, but you actually can forgive him that change because obviously you can't have the moon of Titan in this. Plus, it's maybe the one bit of satire in the film, having mm. Aspen be a prison. Yeah. It's quite good. Did you recognise the voice of the computer, Central? It's quite good, isn't it? Her third third voice, well, her third appearance as a voice of a computer on this show. What are the others? The Thing. Yes. And Demolition Man. Yes. Adrian Barbo. Yeah. Barbo, classic Barbo. So we're into Act Two now. Um, Hershey goes through Dredd's locker and finds a picture of Baby Dredd and a picture of him and Rico looking young and quite facially weird. <laughs> I sent you guys this picture earlier, and the de-aged Armando Sante as for photo is funny. I think they look good. I honestly do. It doesn't look real though. That's because no. I said if we were doing this at the live show, Chris and I were dressed like that, and you imagine does yeah. in that photo. That's why you think it looks good. I was happy with that. You they can't... didn't look like people. <laughs> I want to post it on the Twitter, but I'm already, it's a spoiler. Can I spoil a film that's this old? No. I don't know. No, uh, you can't. Uh, so Dredd heads to Aspen uh, on Con Air with Fergie, <laughs> uh, which made me want to be watching Con Air rather than this film. A little bit, yeah. And this is the point. I, I, if I'm going to pick a point where things start to go off the rails in this movie, it's now. Too much plot. It's uh, totally too much plot. Also, 
you've built Mega City One. It looks freaking great. Mm. Stay in Mega City One. I don't need to see you going out to the penal colony. I don't need it's, to see you in the wastelands. It's what Dread Curse did. Earth. It's what Dread did so well that this film doesn't do well. Is they picked one very tight, simple plots and yeah. uh, and and went with it for ninety minutes. Whereas here, they've taken a lot of really cracking comic book storylines and smushed them all together, and it's just too much. Yeah, because Spud from Train Spotting shoots Conair down. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Yeah. Forgotten he was in it. Um, Dread and Fergie are taken prisoner by the Angel Gang of Cannibal Scavengers again. Important in the comics. Did you notice that Sylvester Stallone, who is a a rock of a man they're hanging from their wrists and his hands are purple and he's really suffering and they've been up there for ages and it's like this is even, this is torture this is testing even you and Rob Schneider looks absolutely fine and he's like bah, 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 bah. am I dead am I dead and it's like you, why are you fine but Sylvester Stallone is not fine because he's got less weight pulling him down <laughs> That's why his hands aren't purple. Exactly. Well, he's stood on a chair and he's forgotten to act. There is a clip behind the scenes of Rob Schneider falling down a flight of stairs onto his face. Oh. Grim. Was it like the uh, oh Bobby Davro clip that goes around where he's in the stocks and uh, he falls flat on his face? Have you seen oh, no, that clip? Oh, no, I haven't seen that. Oh, no, I don't like that. He's in the that. stocks on a TV show, Lionel Blair's there. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, it's, it's really awful. He's fine, obviously. It's but... not as bad as that. Right, oh. but he ends up with very bad bruises on his leg. I don't like the man, but that's too much. Oh. His own fault, though. Yeah. Davro or Schneider? Schneider. Right. Don't mind Bobby Davro, I don't think. Uh, so the cannibals are going to eat Fergie, but Dread kills them first. And then Fargo shows up and tells Dread what we've already figured out about 10 minutes before, and then he gets stabbed through the heart. Ugh. Yeah, Mean Machine's done really well, obviously. Yeah. I think he looks great. Yeah. He's a good, a good character. And again, a human corpse on a spit. When was oh, this yeah. ever going to be PG-13? That does look, and that's really scary looking. I thought you were just going to say, that looks delicious. <laughs> no. But if you're going to introduce the bee machine and he looks so great, have a proper scene where him and Dread properly go toe-to-toe. Yeah. Nothing really happens between them. So uh, Rico gets to work now. He meets Dr. Isla Hayden. Uh, played by Don Ch- Joan Chen um, in a severely underwritten role. Mm. What um, is this tension that they have between them? What is, what is that? It feels like stuff was cut, doesn't it? A because... little bit. So you two, you guys know you know each other very well. I think. Like, what? What is that? I read it as with what limited scenes they have together. This is what my brain interpreted it as, which was that she is like she's a bit of a wrong on herself, and she is attracted to this kind of like because of the science behind him, because he is this sort of perfect homicidal maniac. She's like torn between being in complete admiration of the science that he is, yeah. and terrified of him because he is a. a Major homicide. Yeah, I thought I thought she hated him and agree that she gets she's a Rogan who gets turned on by Rogans. And then when she realizes his plan and how evil he is, she's really into him. Right. And that's why there's suddenly this out of nowhere, this sexual tension between the two of them. And, yeah. And um I liked it. It's fine. Yeah. Like real relationships. That's so confusing. <laughs> um so Rico blows a bunch of shit up all over town and his robot mates takes out the judges. Um, and he resuscitates the Janus project and accelerates the growth of a bunch of Rico clones. Fucking clones. This is just like... Do you not like the clones? I don't mind them, actually. I do really like them. I mean, I really like them. I just feel that there's so much in this movie. We've gone from shuttles crashing, you know, furnaces, Janus project, like Aspen, and I'm just like, all right, okay, clones as well now. So we're into Act 3, though, and as you said, there's a furnace. So Dredd and Fergie break into Megacity via a fiery vent that was then used in the rock. 
I think. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, they have witty oh, banter, yeah. or supposedly witty banter, while being chased by fire, and then Fergie slips, and I think we're supposed to want him saved. Oh, my God. But the film's better off if he just, just gets burned. Because he literally just trips over. What Burn him dick. to a crisp. Concentrate on what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Definitely leave him. Is uh, yeah, because also I know he does tech later. He, his thing is like he's, yes. he's he's a hacker and he messes around with tech. And they're like, right, we need to get in through these fiery pipes. And I was waiting for him to go. Oh wait a minute, beep, boop, boop, boop. Oh, I've hacked into the mainframe. Don't need to. And it's disappointing that he doesn't do that to mm. physically. And obviously they do pay him off later when he hacks the robot thing. Yeah, but, but he doesn't. He just rips loads of wires he out. He just jumps in. He it, just pulls it? wires yeah. out of its brain. Yeah. So it's not, I could do that, and I'm no tech whiz, <laughs> but I will not have um. Too many bad words said against my uh, European gigolo co-star. Of course. Uh, they make it into Mega City uh, just after Rico mows down the remaining justices and then Judge Griffin shoots himself in the arm, framing Dredd again. So Dredd's framed second, like <laughs> third, second, third time in this film. I mean, these framing devices, well, we're living in the, this. This is a future world. Apparently, this is a future world with all this tech where you go... I've got a name badge that says Dread on it. Um, oh my God, that's I'm such gonna, a good point. I'm going to kill some people. And that will go to trial. That will actually go to trial. <laughs> that will make it past the, the test, the CPS. But also, um, the Balthazar Getty character, what's he called? The little kid. Doesn't matter. He's like, he's their tech, he's Hershey's little tech guy. And he's like, oh, she's like, oh, we do this photo for him. You have a look. And he's like, yeah, bup, 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 bup. and he takes apart the photo. So if you've got that tech, do that with the, the video of Dread and go, bup, bup, bup. definitely not him. Mm. So there's advanced tech in this thing, but a still of, from CCTV will get you sent away. Madness. Yeah, it makes no sense. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. Uh, what does make sense kind of is a bike chase in the air uh, above the streets that looks kind of cool. Do also, you think? also, when Rico says, <laughs> I can't, I don't know which point this happens in the film, so I'm really sorry if, if I've missed it. He's like, no, it's going to take my DNA. So in the future, to take DNA, it's not a cheek swab. You have to get stabbed in the arm four times, <laughs> like. That surely that would almost kill you to drink. I don't know, take a liter of blood. That's how you take DNA in the future. No, no. Uh, the problem with this bike chase, though, is that this doesn't feel like I'm there's any stake, so I don't feel emotionally involved at, at mm. any point in this. And so, this is the big action set piece in the movie, and I don't care when I'm watching it. Yeah, and it's also got a lot of Rob Schneider ad libs, uh, leave him alone, and um. <laughs> Which I just, it's the bit where, it, there's one where he's in the locker room and he goes, why are you taking his clothes off? We don't have time for this. Yeah. And you're like, all right, fine. And then when he's on the bike and uh, he's a bit scared, he goes, you may want to wash this seat after we get off the bike. And you're like, uh, These, this is low hanging fruit yeah. you're going for, like poo and uh, gay jokes. Uh, and then um, Rico orders his robot to rip the arms and legs off oh. um, Judge Griffin and he saves his head for last. Mm. Um, I have a quote from this, but I think Alex might have a direct quote. Uh, yeah, this is Stephen D'Souza talking about this exact scene. He says the same thing to everyone, doesn't he? Clearly. <laughs> for last, I want to hear him scream. And I type that the robot backs Jürgen now off camera. The camera does not pan. All we see are shadows. And we hear horrible screaming and gruesome sound effects. Danny has a tremendously talented crew of puppeteers who made the robot. And he says, listen, while you're in your robot shop, make me a robotic Jürgen Pruchnow. Uh-huh. So they made a life-size Jürgen Pruchnow puppet with removable arms, legs, and head that squirted arterial blood. And they filmed that. So the movie turned in for the rating 
and it's rated X. <laughs> Freaking Danny Cannon. <laughs> Unbelievable. He's just getting shit done. <laughs> He's literally making the movie he wants to make. He's it. making dread. Hey, Andy Vanya, yeah. This, the, the arterial blood. That's fine. That is PG. Mm, because it doesn't splat, it pours. <laughs> that is the difference. It drains. As long as if it if the blood goes upwards, yeah, that's problems, a splatter. Problems. Yeah, you I, and if I was doing And I'll admit that, yeah. If I was doing that, that's what they say. <laughs> that's what liars say. But if I was doing that, I'd understand where you were coming from. But as you can see, just draining to the floor. Very different. PG. So they head to the Statue of Liberty. Uh, because that's where Rico's base is, I think. Um, uh, we're told that Dredd destroyed his life to embrace the law, whereas Rico destroyed the law to embrace life. Law! I love that. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> I think it sounds cleverer than it is. But Rico does ask if Dredd just wants brainwashed judges or free-thinking humans, which is an interesting question that does get asked over and over again in the comics. Uh, but they try to examine and answer it in the comics. Here it's just chucked away. Yeah. Um, and then Rico says the word law for about 30 seconds. Law! <laughs> law. Um, law! The clones appear and... Yeah, they might be a good idea, but again, nothing is done with them. Um, there was a scene that was deleted uh, in which a clone squares off with uh, Judge Dredd and then says the word pain to him and Dredd blows him away to put him out of his misery, mm. um, which would have injected something, you know, some, some emotional stakes into proceedings maybe, but apparently that was cut because the clones uh, looked all right in the room, but on camera they looked like a person in a rubber suit. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a clip for it, but he, Stephen D'Souza uh, talks about how also uh, for the um, in an attempt to get a PG thirteen rating, the clones were quite disgusting. They like had pus on them and stuff. They were like pretty grotty, and mm. so they took them out. But again, this, this whole ending just feels torn to shreds. Well, the women fight each other. Mm. Uh, bitch, and it's a judge, bitch. Is they have a proper fight though? I think their fight's much better than the the blokes fighting here. Mm. Um, and then the place the place starts exploding, though it isn't clear why. <laughs> yeah, there's no reason for it to start blowing up. I didn't think of that. Um, and then they have a punch up atop uh, the Statue of Liberty, and <laughs> Judge Dredd throws Rico off while saying. Course Quartz adjourned. adjourned. Yeah. <laughs> Tea break. See you in 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, and that's it. Everyone knows the truth due to some kind of broadcast we don't really know much about. <laughs> that's your send all from Serenity. <laughs> hey, they asked Judge Dredd to be Chief Justice, but he refuses as he's a street judge. Uh, Hershey kisses Dredd and then helps him with his helmet on. It's but like, I just, oh. thank God. Thank at, God it wasn't more than that. At this point, you do wonder whether they're just trying to make diehard fans as angry as possible. <laughs> Not only taking his helmet off, but then kissing Hershey. It's like, <sighs> what? And then he rides away as everyone cheers. And, and there's not one iota of irony in his victory, no. making this a failure to understand the source material so fundamentally to have this victorious uh, climax. Um, as you said, this there was an issue with the rating. Um, oh yeah, there, there. I've, I had lots of quotes from Stephen D'Souza. I, 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 it's such a long interview, and um, I didn't, I couldn't chop up everything because I thought three clips of of Stephen was enough. But yeah, it, we had a hell of a time. X to X to X. Yeah, and and um, as you said, Burger King uh, were not happy about it. Disney were not happy about it because they were going to distribute it, and they don't tend to distribute X-rated movies. <laughs> um, and it, he said it really screwed him up a few years later when uh, he was going in at Disney to meet about the greatest American hero. Uh, he told Denny Geek, when I pitched at the meeting, everything was going great. After I left, I was called up and told, 
I don't understand. It was all going so great. But the minute you left, they said, there's no way that son of a bitch is ever going to write a movie at Disney. He fucked us so bad. We were sued by Burger King and the toy company for Judge Dredd. He wrote an X-rated movie for this studio. And so uh, D'Souza said he was persona non grata at Disney after that. Mm. So, should we do the bits? Yeah. Sure. Vicky, what was your favourite scene? I actually really like the um, the clones in the lab. So with the, you know, the stringy buddies and Rico's gone like full Dr. Frankenstein and then the screaming chews at him. I just thought, yes, it's just my favourite bit. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> and then also when um, Ilsa kicks her, she in the fanny, that's quite funny mm, as well. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. It would hurt like fuck. Uh, Alex? Uh, my favourite scene is when the warden visits uh, Rico. Rico's introduction at Aspen Penitentiary. I'm just a big fan of Rico and meeting him for the first time. And I remember going, oh, oh, I like this villain. And the bit where he just like has a gun handed to him by the warden of the prison. Um, it's great. I like, I'm a big fan of Rico. Me too. My favourite scene. You know, I never understood that. Why did you judge me? Why did you judge me? You killed innocent people. The means to an end. You started a massacre. I caused the revolution. You betrayed the law. Law. You betrayed the law. Law. You betrayed the law. Law. You betrayed the law. I've got five minutes of this. You betrayed the law. Have we got? Have we got time to play it all? Yeah. You betrayed the law. It's not a magic mic remix, though. Yeah, but this one won't get us taken off Spotify. Yeah, it just has to be that because the cult has grown up around. It. And so MVW, most valuable ever, Alex. Uh, it's the ABC Warrior. I, I tried to, I didn't have time. That sounds bad. I, I, was, I couldn't find, it wasn't really easily accessible. Who built it? Because I wanted to credit the, the, the team that built it. But it's just such an amazing creation and it looks wonderful and it's all pistons and I just think it's fantastic. Uh, tied in with that, I'm going to say production designer Nigel Phelps. Mm. I don't know if he was responsible for that, but the look of the film is fantastic. And interestingly, he's just finished work on the new Thor movie. Ooh, Vicky. Uh, Armando Sante by a, a fucking country mile. Like, you know I have a fondness for uh, a shouty man, New Yorker. And you know Al Pacino's speech in The Devil's Advocate where he's talking about God being an absentee landlord. And I think about that maybe three or four times a week. And this does tap into that in this performance. Well, obviously it might be the other way around, but just everything about him is fucking amazing. That's that. <laughs> okay. Uh, Alex, what would you change? He's our, he's our, that is our greatest MVW of all time, actually. A hundred percent. In two years. Uh, there's so much to change about this, but mainly it's stay in Mega City 1. Uh, you just credited, was it uh, Nicholas Phelps? Nigel Phelps. Nigel yeah. Phelps, uh, the production designer. It's beautiful. And Sylvester Sloan talks about how amazing those sets were that you could stand like two feet away and they still looked incredible. And I just think you've built all this. It looks mean. It looks mm. like, you know, urban decay. And I, I want to spend all the time there. I mean, I think they shouldn't have Dread wrongly accused. I think Rico should just arrive in Mega City One. Hershey and Dread are on the streets of Mega City One trying to track him down, find out what his plan is while he's causing chaos. They're one step behind. But do it all in there. And with all due respect to my Juice uh, Bigelow, European Gigolo co-star, I don't know that we need Rob Snyder. I think it's a strange decision to try and have a sidekick for Judge Dredd. But mainly, stay in the freaking city. I mean, Judge Dredd here has a sidekick. She's called Judge Hershey. Mm. You know, it's like Anderson in Dredd. Yeah. There is a sidekick, so we don't need a comic relief. Um, Vicky? Uh, make Rico and Dredd identical twins and let Armand Asante play them both. <laughs> 
I mean that. Uh, it's, it's good. He, I, I mean, we love him. I love him. Don't know that he was going to sell a movie back then. But then you would have seen it mm. and been like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And it would have been fine. I'm wondering how the creators of, of Judge Dredd would feel about that performance. But it would be better, though, wouldn't it, than than what we've got? Like, I, I mean, I don't hate Sylvester Stallone no. at all. Like, you know, um, Rocky, yes. Stop or my mum will shoot, yes. But I know. That was a weird pull. I thought you were going to say Demolition Man. Or Cliffhanger. You went for- oh, I do love Cliffhanger. Yeah. yeah, you're right. And Demolition Man, but this is a Sandra's film for me. But the only good sly moment for me, in not the only good, that's unfair, when he's hanging off the Statue of Liberty and he looks at his brother and he says, don't miss. And it's like, that's fucking amazing. Like, your voice is perfect there. The rest of the time, when he's like, oh, I had a friend, but then I judged him. It's like, me, me, me. I don't care. I just don't. And I'm just, oh, I'm in the sun. So it, just, it just blows everything else away. Like, mm. I think it's his film and I think he should do it twice. <laughs> uh, my change, I spoil. Because I said have him take off his helmet for a reason. Obviously, don't have him take off his helmet, but have him have it for a reason. So I've got to come up with something else. I'd really like to see a feature-length behind-the-scenes documentary of the making of this movie. Oh, God, yeah. Because there's a 20-minute um, behind-the-scenes made at the time where everyone is happy and having a good time. And um, that clearly wasn't the case. And there's obviously a story to be told here. So make that happen, someone. All right. And that's that. Judge Dredd versus Tank Girl. It's time for the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! Uh, so, my movies, I get to decide who goes first. Um, da, 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 Chris. Okay, Tank Girl. Anarchic, visually inventive. Spawn performance from Laurie Petty. But it gave me a headache and felt less like a movie and more like a music video and not a very good one. Meaning I was quite relieved to be watching Judge Dredd straight after because it felt like a coherent movie with an actual plot. But then I had to compare them. And reading around both productions, it's clear that Tank Girl stayed as true as it could to the source material as the filmmakers could get away with, whereas Judge Dredd couldn't give a toss. So because the people who made Tank Girl seemed to actually care, and because they crafted something approaching an actual Tank Girl movie, I've got to give it to them. Ooh, Tank Girl gets one. All right then, Victoria. So Tank Girl is a mess for not being what it wanted to be. But at least it is just silly. And I think if you didn't know what you were missing in the comics, which I didn't when I saw it for the first time, it is still possible to have a good time. And Dread at points is just painfully bad because it's trying to be earnest. So I think since The Dark Knight, obviously for the last 12 or 13 years, you want to Dark Knight the shit out of everything because that changed the template so ginormously hmm. for loads of properties, but for, you know, for telly even. But once you've, once you've had that version of a superhero story, that's what you want. But it wasn't like that in the 90s. It was much more sort of popcorn-y and bright and lurid and we didn't need this sort of dark intensity from art heroes and villains. But the trouble is, I think Judge Dredd tries to aim for that level of intensity and seriousness and it just misses so much you, like you said Armin Asante knows what film he's in and Rob Schneider shouldn't be in this film and I don't know what Sylvester Stallone is up to so I think you can say what you like about Tank Girl but it's not earnest and I think if it's going to be a mess you can't take yourself too seriously you can't be, you can't flip flop so Tank Girl we have a winner Tank Girl is the winner uh, for the record just to uh, complete the trilogy I am um... I'm I'm surprised at myself this week. I agree a lot about what you've said, Chris, because Judge Dredd is a movie. Like, it has a plot, yeah. a weak plot, a dull plot, an overcomplicated plot, 
but a plot nonetheless. It fits the basics of what a film is in there is a narrative to follow. There's a story. Um, and Tank Girl doesn't. But damn it if I'm surprised that I'm voting this way. But Tank Girl, that musical scene alone and the energy and hidden underneath studio meddling is the beating heart of what could have been a fucking great punk movie. And I think it it earns the right to be the winner this week based on that alone. So it's a three for three. Girl power! Yay! <laughs> Tank Girl is the winner this week. I mean, also... Of the two, I don't think I'm going to watch Dread again, Judge Dread again. I think I might. Just watch the clips on YouTube of Armored <laughs> Sunday. It's fine. I think I might watch Tank Girl again, okay. though, at some point. You want to do that? Sure. Yeah, great. Get the beers in. <laughs> uh, all right, then. That is us done. Congratulations to Tank Girl. That is our winner this week. Uh, another quick mention. Our live show is on September the 4th at the King's Place, which is very near King's Cross Station here in London town. We would love you to come along and watch the biggest most intense clash we've ever done. Howard the Duck versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's going to be big. Going to be some special things going on that night. We want you to be there. You can get tickets from the London Podcast Festival website and also all the details are on our Twitter at ClashPod. Chris, tell us about what we're doing next week. So my clue was Good Boys in Blue Mm, and the films I am going with. Alex, you've got Juice Bigelow, Male Gigolo. Oh, no, I'm not (laughs) in that one. I'm not in that one. Because Vicky's got European jiggle. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. We'll never do those films. Um, Alex. Never say never. <laughs> uh, Alex, I'm giving you the film Turner and Hoot. <sighs> okay. Meaning Vicky's got the film K9. Lovely. We're doing a twin movie for the first time in ages. Yeah. It was going to be Dante's Peak and Volcano, but, <laughs> but we can't. We're never doing that. <laughs> uh, all right, then. That is your homework. K9 versus Turner and Hooch. Are they available everywhere? Yeah. Great. <laughs> Turner and Hooch. Turner and Hooch. <laughs> Turner and Hooch is it's on like, Disney it's Plus. It's only funny because he's the one who goes, yeah, Are you going to say, Are you yeah. going to say where they're available? Because I do that. Do you every remember week. last week? He was like, I literally can't believe you've told people they have to buy a film. <laughs> no, he was telling people they could download it illegally. I didn't say that. Difference. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. You and, you You're see, just so triggered. Yeah, by you piracy. see piracy where there is no piracy. <laughs> You know you did. I didn't say that. I said you can probably find it as in charity shops where there are DVDs. <laughs> see? See? What are you saying, see? So full of it. Unbelievable. You have to listen to him, Vicky. Yep. He's sneaky. Piracy is a crime. Do not accept it. Would you steal a car? Yes. That was what I was in court for. <laughs> Great. So, Turner and Hooch is on Disney+. Plus. Yep. And K9. It's available to rent on Amazon. Great stuff. Uh, so those are our movies. Uh, if you want to find out uh, what else is going on in our lives, no, not really, just about the movies <laughs> that we're covering. I, I was trying to find an interesting way to segue into visit our Twitter if you've got time. Right. At ClashPod, it went wrong. Uh, also our Instagram, at ClashPod. And also do subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. We'll be back on Monday talking... K9. K9. Really? K9 came out first? It's Turner and Hooch. Surely, every, I'm sure. Are you sure? don't know. <laughs> you asked me and I said canine. We're doing it first. <laughs> so we'll be talking about Turner and Hooch on Monday. I'm rolling the dice on that one. See you then. Bye-bye. This was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.
Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of non-stop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.